Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt, and today we discuss even more ways to connect to the energy of source code with author and spiritual teacher Ernesto Ortiz. Now, Ernesto is the founder of Journey to the Heart, which is a company focused on raising the consciousness of humanity through their connection to the heart. Now, with that, Ernesto, welcome to Merkava Chakras. Thank you so much, Bonhal, for having me as a guest in your program. Oh, I'm so delighted, and I love all the different ways in which people connect to that heart field and the renaissance renaissance um, within consciousness. So before we dig into this juicy topic, because this is one of my favorites as well, can you tell us your story for how you even got into this work? Well, that's a very long story. If you have a four-hour slot, we can do Uh, all that. However, I I can just make it concise. Um, I, I I was born in Mexico City. And I uh, was fortunate to have been born in a very well-to-do family. Uh, they had uh, coffee plantations in the state of Veracruz. So from a very early age, I went to the farm, the hacienda. Uh, and instead of staying inside with my cousins and learning how to play chess and things like that, I kicked off my shoes immediately and I went outside to be with the workers. So by being with the workers, uh, they taught me how to uh, pick coffee and things like that. And little by little, they accepted me, I suppose, because I was the son of the owners. But they saw more than that as time went by. And that was that curiosity, that genuine interest that I had in their way of being, their way of living, which was completely opposite from what I was experiencing with my family. So they started inviting me to their homes, their little very simple homes, a group of about 80 people. And, um, and two of them, a couple, were the elders, so to speak, of this group. And they were the shamans, the healers, the curanderos. At that age, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, I had no idea what that was. But they started doing some ritual and ceremony with some people and taking herbs and beating them up with them and blowing smoke and alcohol. And then they start doing all of that to me. 
And I was a kid, you know, eight, nine years old, going like, oh, I don't know what all of this is, but I kind of like it, you know? Yeah. So beat me <laughs> up and blow me with the smoke and, you know, you know, spread the alcohol. I like that. And what happened is that by being exposed to this magical world of Mexican mysticism, my third eye and my chakras were beginning to opened up and align to other dimensional realities that were not part of what my upbringing was bringing me or giving me. And so this opened the world of, of shamanism to me without knowing what shamanism was. And by the time I got to be 11 years old, I was there observing a healing process and this man, the shaman, took an egg and started rubbing the egg on this woman's neck and under her arms. <clears throat> and I'm going, I don't remember seeing that before, but okay. <clears throat> so when he finished, he took the egg and cracked it. And what came out was black, black. And at that point, I said, wow, I don't know what that is, but I want to do that. I want to learn how to do that. <clears throat> and that strong affirmation is what began opening the doors of shamanism in my life. Wow, that yeah, that's um, so you you kind of got into it um early. You didn't get some people get into shamanism in whichever culture they get into it through much later in life. But you kind of, I mean, eight or nine. That's when you start developing your own sense of self. Yep. Um. Now, what was your upbringing aside from? You said you came from a, a, a traditional upbringing. What was the traditional upbringing that uh, you came from? Uh, a very pseudo Catholic family. Okay. I want to say pseudo-Catholic Catholic because they went occasionally to church to look look good and all of that, but without real uh, the real uh, spiritual meaning of of the of the Catholic religion. So, but so so what happened is that at the same time that I had this exposure to shamanism at that very early age, I had a very deep interest. Uh, on, 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 on church. And mm. I was in fact, wanted to become a, a monk because I was uh, so deeply connected to the energy of St. Francis of Assisi. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my path was from a very early age divided between the, the, the mystical, uh, folkloric, uh, shamanic Mexican culture, and also the, the Catholic faith. You know, so I was balancing those out, you know, until the point that it was uh, for lack of answers that the Catholic Church, the priest did not have for me, then I chose to completely remove myself from the Catholic faith and start looking for answers as to how the mind operates, how uh, I create the condition of my mind, how the reality that I was experiencing at the time was becoming a reality. Right. You know, I never knew that, I never believed that it was by chance, even at that early age. So you can say that maybe I came back, I came to this lifetime with, uh, with, the, with the good karma to have been exposed to that at that early age. And all of this has been the, the building blocks of my life and my faith in the way that it is right now which is uh, wide open. So it's not right. narrow 
to follow just one system of shamanism or one religion, but is wide open to accept everything in the space of the heart with the right understanding. Right, right. And one of the, some of the, there was a couple of things that you mentioned in, um, in how you got thrown in or how you got exposed to your work right now. Um, one, your, your Catholic upbringing, I mean, there's a lot of people who are very spiritual and they, they open into shamanism or open into mysticism in different ways through their spiritual exploration of consciousness, but they are still trying to kind of toggle between both paradigms. And the spiritual aspect doesn't really have a box, so it incorporates the other, but the religious does not always incorporate any others. So you couldn't find a way to balance the two. You had to completely sever the well, Catholicism that was, that to get into the search. shamanism. That was my search. What I what I do know, and we realize is, is that I realize is that we create a split of the mind between the yours and the mind, between the, mm. you know, your religion is better than mine and all of these things. And that never really made sense to me. So it's not that I sever completely those beliefs because they are still very much present in my life, but they have widely opened mm. to the point that in the way that I have it, I'm experiencing my life now for a long, long time, which is without the duality of separatism. You know, okay. it's, you know, everything is in the spirit of oneness, and it's only us humans that create that that duality, that separation between one thing and the other, and that is what keeps us, you know, in this split consciousness because we're not capable. Well, we're capable, but we don't do the work. To, and that is the ego that gets in the way of accepting, mm -hmm. you know, the, the the bridge that most exists between one thing and the other and to make it to be a part of the totality of the whole. Right, right. Um, very, very well explained. And then when you were do when you were meeting up with uh, workers in your family's um, farm and as they were doing these different rituals on you, um, you said that you had come into different dimensional experiences. What were some of the, so the people understand when they first come into understanding different dimensions and kind of wider breadth of reality, can you explain what that experience was like so that people can go, oh, I, I recognize that or okay i know what to look for if it comes through it's not going to scare me well it's uh what i can say is that w i think that the the shaman or the couple there the shamans opened my third eye basically mm -hmm. and when they open my third eye it, you can see beyond dimensions and enter other realities that are present in vibratory form but they're not as gross to be able to be perceived by humans that are not connected or fine-tuned to that frequency mm. so what did i see my god i saw so many things that were part of the unseen you know uh because they were not present in my ordinary reality but but they were as real as the experience that I'm having with you right now, talking, seeing, feeling, tasting, smelling, all of that, but in a, in a quality or in a way in which I had never experienced before because I knew that it was not part of my 
my conscious environment. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, it was not what I experienced in school or not at home, but when I was in this place with them and by being with them and the container that they created for mm -hmm. this energy to emerge is when I was there that everything just opened up into a way in which no restrictions, no limitations, no, uh, and the full potential of, of what I experienced to be within myself was shown to me. And that to me became the, we can say the, 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 the starting point of an adventure of self-discovery that has lasted my entire life. Right, right. And can you describe what, what one of those um, experiences was like? Like when you saw the different dimensions or the different higher realities? Well, it was almost as, uh, I mean, that was a long time ago, you know, that, that, that this happened. But uh, there were some significant um, imprints, so to speak, in which I knew that I was journeying like a dream, so to speak, mm -hmm. but a dream in which I am, I am aware, I'm conscious that I am here having the visions being in that experience, but not being asleep. And, right. and, and that manifested in, in a way of being able to journey, you know, for example, to encounter pieces of my soul, you know, like shamanic journey and pieces of my soul that were scattered here and there. And I was 10, 11 years old and, and having this experience and recognizing myself with a different body, a different mm -hmm. A time frame in life, a oh. past life. What, which, what kind of body? What kind of body? Well, other bodies that was not the body of a child. Oh, you know, okay. The body yeah. of an adult or the body of uh, another body, but with the recognition of this face, the essence of myself, and just being able to go, wow, look at that. You know, I am here as I am right now, but at the same time, I recognize all the features, all the qualities, all the the pains, all the, that, that was encapsulated in that form that I was looking at. Right. And, and that also, you know, it's a travel to a, to a place in which uh, it was like a wonderland, you know, in which right. uh, plants and animals and all that were just uh, in this magical balance, you know, in which there was not this harmony, but just a complete harmony and just being in that space uh, wanted me to, uh, I wanted to have more of that and more understanding of it, you know, yeah. and that was, I was able to, to, uh, to achieve when I was about 16, uh, 16 and a half, 16 years old, when I was uh, fortunate enough to meet a, a woman in Mexico, her name was Maria Sabina. She mm -hmm. was like the high priestess in the world of magic mushrooms. Mm. And, and, and then I was introduced to magic mushrooms at that age. And that just completely opened my mind mm -hmm. and reinforced everything that I had learned when I was still much younger in my life. Right. So it, it, it connected those two, those experiences. It created yeah. the bridge of under, that gave me the ability to understand. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it, it, for some people, they when they first get into this um, this awareness of reality being much much more fluid and not as solid as 
many people think it is. It's much more holographic in nature um, and changes based on your level of consciousness and your frequency. It can kind of, I wouldn't say blow their mind, but almost um, scare them back into regression, like scare them back into, oh, this is this is too much uncharted territory. So it takes a courageous person to kind of keep charting, chart, charting forward um and so lack of understanding you know yeah yeah you say solid dimension you know well we have to understand that the nature of things Mm -hmm. are empty you know and in emptiness there is form and in form there is emptiness and that is a concept that for many people is very difficult to understand you know because mm-hmm. you know we see anything you know the the cup that you are holding and we think well this is solid but yes yeah. it is solid you know to a certain degree but if we start reducing that solidity you know a thousand ten thousand a hundred thousand times what we can see is that in reality there's hundreds of thousands or millions of atoms that are creating this form mm-hmm. and between those atoms there is emptiness you know i mean yep. just a philosophical and scientific concept yeah they've proven it in science not, that not fully understand exactly exactly and and you are privy to that in your in your shamanic shamanic experiences that um all form as solid as it seems, is really emptiness. And they've proven this in science as well. And I've written books on this where um, when they do research in um, like quantum physics and in just any kind of physics and they go into like the structure of that cup, they're, they keep going down. There's really nothing there. It's just more emptiness, more emptiness, more emptiness. So what creates the physicality is the observer seeing it as a cup that makes it a cup correct and that's what they found in science and um and understanding that in science understanding that in the metaphysical aspects of shamanic um or of different spiritual traditions that this is all illusory dream world that we dream into reality is something that um, people are still trying to learn and understand but for people like yourself who's really venturing into the depths of consciousness we are telling everyone the same thing dream a better dream see i think that trying to conceptualize this or to have a rational understanding of it is not gonna work Mm -hmm. you know i mean it's just simply not gonna work because if we have not created the neurons in our brains out of the billions of neurons that are in our brain that can accommodate that type of understanding is simply going to bypass you so here's your understanding this is the other reality and you simply don't connect so for me in my life uh this has not been a rational understanding but an experiential understanding and there is a huge difference between rational understanding and experiential understanding which is the same as knowledge you Mm -hmm. know knowledge is intellectual but knowledge is not wisdom you know and and the transition between knowledge and wisdom is when we give that knowledge sufficient amount of it an experiential understanding that creates the bridge to wisdom knowledge is something that is Mm non-permanent you learn something today you learned something 10 years ago and uh, and by now probably has gone away. Yeah. But if you have 
an experiential understanding that is connecting you to that thing that you learn, then that becomes a permanent imprint and gives the brain, the neurons on the brain, the ability to start reproducing in a way that gives you the ability to have higher understanding of whatever concept you are interested in and study or to learn. Yes. Oh, very, very, very well, um, well clarified because, you know, I follow a lot of medical journals and science journals for much, much of my adult life. And um, I just kind of wait around for science to get to the point where in their research, their research can, the left brain research can only go so far and then it starts getting esoteric. And every single scientist and researchers know that the further they get into studies of consciousness, it starts getting very esoteric and then there's no words and there's no ways to really quantify anything. It, it becomes something that you have to experience. It's like love. You can study it. You can try to measure how people fall in love, et cetera. But until you actually experience being in love, um, then you don't really know what love is. Once you experience it, then you know, and you have that muscle memory and the muscle memory creates wisdom, which is something that is not necessarily learned, but experienced. So um, well stated. And the beauty of today's world, as you just uh, said to me, is science, you know, Mm -hmm. science has come to validate uh, or disprove many, many things that we have known at the metaphysical uh, level for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. So, I mean, I love science because of that, you know, and so when there is a particular concept that science comes to validate, even His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, he's an avid study, uh, student of science. And for, since, since 1980s, mm-hmm. he has uh, been in connection and with scientists to prove or disprove certain Tibetan beliefs. You know, I have had the great uh, opportunity to be a presenter in different symposiums mm-hmm. in shamanism and consciousness or spirituality and, um, and neuroscience, et cetera. So things like that. And, and most of these have been, well, a couple here in the US, but some in, most of them in France with, uh, with world renowned scientists that come together to, to talk about this. And I have had this great opportunity to sit with this, with this scientists, with these researchers, to talk about consciousness, to talk about spirituality. And at the end of the game, at the very end of the game, they say, well, the truth is we simply don't know. Yeah. And that to me is the beauty of of everything, of everything, which is the mystery. And once we surrender to the mystery, then we can begin to understand how the mystery happens in our lives. Right, right. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay, so um, Ernesto, you've written two two books on how to tune into the wisdom of the Akashic Records. Now, um, what is the wisdom that the Akashic Records that you read say about humanity's collective consciousness as we catapult into fifth dimensional awareness with Earth? Well, we're already in the fifth dimension. It's not, it's not kind yeah. of anywhere. I know? say the same thing, but some people argue with me because they, they want to continue to see the 3D world and continue to function in 3D world. And There's nothing uh, wrong with that. You know, it's we, your journey. We can adapt. We are creatures of that adaptation. So mm-hmm. those that believe that only the third or the fourth dimension are there, well, okay, you know, that be, that's their belief and the belief is valid. 
But science, once again, has proven that there is not only the fifth dimension, but science has proven that there's actually 10 dimensions. Yeah, actually, I read an article. There's 11 dimensions in which our physical brain can perceive, but there's more than 11. But just in terms of measuring well, what they're able to perceive from the brain, that's what they've proven is um, ten, yeah, 11. That's what science has proven, but yeah. that doesn't mean that there is not hundreds of thousands of dimensions mm-hmm. out there. So you ask, you know, how does the Akashic Records, how Akasha can help all of this? Well, in, in, in 2014, there was a symposium in Milan, Italy, headed mm-hmm. by Professor Irving Laszlo. And he has dedicated the majority of his life to understand Akasha, you know, mm-hmm. from a scientific point of view. Oh, interesting. Huh? A beautiful, beautiful, long uh, uh, testimonial about my work, you know, for, for my books in which, you know, he says you're able to bridge, you know, science and spirituality in a way that is easy to understand. Mm-hmm. So what scientists at the end of this symposium said is that they have now the proof, the scientific proof that absolutely everything without discounting one single thing, everything Mm -hmm. in the entire universe falls into one category and that one category they have labeled the Akashic Fields. Now, what Mm -hmm. is the function of the Akashic Fields according to science, which is the same understanding that we have from a metaphysical point of view, that this is a substance that exists everywhere in the universe, is inside and outside of us, is Mm -hmm. in the room where you're sitting right now, where I am right now, where your viewers are gonna be sitting when when they watch this interview, is present everywhere. The difference is that most people are not capable of perceiving this dimension because Mm -hmm. they're not fine-tuned to it. Yes, yes, very good. Once you have the ability, and truly it's about the brain capacity to form the neurons, to grow the neurons in our brains that gives us the capacity to recognize this field, then we can jump into the Akashic field and explore the hundreds of thousands of dimensional realities based on the ability that we have created within our mind to explore that. So if there's a a 10th dimension and we're only functioning at the fourth dimension, the 10th dimension, we're not gonna see it. Right, it's gonna be invisible to us. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's invisible, correct. If we're at the fourth dimension, there's a fifth or a sixth or a third or a second or a first or a minus one dimension or minus two or minus 10 dimension, Mm -hmm. you know, we cannot perceive it because we're not fine-tuned to that energy. Yeah. So once we find ourselves fine-tuned to that energy, we can then jump into it, so to speak, and explore what is there, which is what happened to me when I was a kid. Now, uh, the function of Akasha is to record information of any living organism at any one time. So basically, everything is alive. Everything mm-hmm. in the entire universe is alive. So the function of Akasha is to record every single output of energy that any living organism gives to that field. Right. So we can reduce And what do we give to that field? All these organisms. Emotions. 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 Okay. So all the emotions that we exchange when thought, in words, in feeling, etc., are an imprint that is coming out and is imprinting within 
the Akashic so, fields. Right. So all of the beings within um, creation is sending out an energy that we Everyone. call emotions to well, the all, field and is being recorded. Not, not only the beings, you know, but, you know, planet Earth is an mm-hmm. organism that is alive. So the Earth is giving that energy. The sun, the moon, Mars, Venus, Pluto, everything is alive in the universe. Mm-hmm. So everything is giving an output of energy to this field. And the field is simply receiving that and recording it. So the Akasha is a substance. Is the Akasha is a, it's a Sanskrit word that means primord, prim, primary or primordial substance. Mm-hmm. And this is an energy that comes from the past to the present and will continue move into the future. So it is endless, it's eternal. It's endless. There so, is, that's very good because there's a lot of people who always want to seek prophecy, look for predictions, try to mark the end of the world. And um, what do you say to people who 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 basically are looking forward to the end of the world oh, that's living they, as if it's like the end of the world <laughs> that's what they want to believe what i would say to them prepare mm. you know if you think that the end of the world is coming and to me the end of the world is the end of my life so i mm. you know in the in the space of understanding impermanence i know that i can very well after this interview die mm. you know who, who who knows why not in fact i have died already twice in this lifetime so drowned it twice so mm. my third time is probably the final one so the end of the world is cataclysm also if that is the case so be it but if the end of the world is the end of your life in either of the cases mm. what i would say to people like that is prepare instead of being yeah. in fear of what is going to happen take the necessary steps today to clean up all of your karma, all Mm -hmm. of it. Do your life work. To forgive, to be in the space of the heart, to be kind, compassionate, tolerant, you know, joyous in your life, Mm -hmm. to have the appreciation of beauty of life. Live your life like if you're truly living it instead of worry about the end of the world, cataclysm. It will happen. It already already happened already once, right? We have cataclysms all the time. With with the dinosaurs. Well, yeah. our, if we are the, the dinosaurs of this age, so be it. Yeah, Live yeah. To the best of your ability and prepare to die. I, I would, I would totally, I, exactly. You know? I would totally agree with you on that because a lot of these um, prophecy seeking, prediction, dire, doomsday scenarios, as sensationalized as they are, and they do get a lot of ratings. Uh, and they do get a lot of uh, exposure. Uh, they come and go and come and go. And then you're still living and breathing. And um, if a natural disaster or something comes, an uh, economic bef- befall, whatever happens, they come and go and you still continue to breathe and carry on. So, um, and so at some point it's like, okay, when are you going to, in my mind, I say, when are you going to grow up? And start taking responsibility for your consciousness and how you create your reality and how you see the Dharma. Um, instead that's, of that's judgment in a way, you know, whether yeah. they take a, whether they take a responsibility for the consciousness or not is their own karma, you know. It is. They, they are creating that karma. Yeah. More, to me, more than that is to be kind with individuals like that and to know that they are 
creating in their own mind whatever it is that they need to create mm -hmm. in order to live their life in a good way or a bad way. So there is no judgment, you know. I am yeah. not here to change anyone. I am not here to 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 uh, to, to uh, clash with anyone's beliefs, you know, right. because all beliefs are true. And if what you believe is your truth, then who am I to tell you that that is not the ultimate truth? Right. What my job is to present in a simple way the facts, you know, with mm -hmm. kindness, with love and compassion, with the hope that individuals that have had a narrow way of thinking, they can open that up and see that there's a more extraordinary reality that is not based on fear. Yeah, you that's, that's and critical. Ra and the ratings and all that to me are just completely insignificant mm -hmm. because I do know that if I get 50 likes or 100 likes or 10,000 likes is not going to make any difference in right. my life. I know that for some people that makes a huge difference and they are working, looking for those likes yeah. and people go into this depression if they, don't, if they don't get them. However, to me, I embrace more the understanding of impermanence, right. you know, and I can leave my house here in the next hour, hour and a half and a car comes, hits me and that's the end of it. Yep. So am I prepared for that? Have mm -hmm. I, do I have all of my mental and emotional affairs in order for that sublime moment when it mm -hmm. happens, even if it's just like that? So instead, for me, instead of pure preoccupying myself with, with, uh, uh, with, with beliefs of catastrophe or uh, apocalypse or doomsday mm -hmm. and all that, I choose not to put my attention. My mind, I, I reduce it back again to the neurons of the brain. Mm -hmm. The neurons of the brain are just simply going to reproduce whatever it is that we put on it. Mm -hmm. So if I am putting, you know, misinformation, if I am putting fear, if I'm putting the doomsday energy in there, mm -hmm. well, that is what my brain is going to reproduce and is going to be connecting to the collective consciousness of other individuals that are thinking the same, mm, mm -hmm. you know, but yeah. instead my choice, and that's just personal choice, that instead of going in that direction in my way of thinking, I take my malas, you know, I stay in the space of devotion, I stay in the space of the heart, I stay mm. in the space of preparation, I stay in the space of looking at every single element of karma, negative karma that I might have consciously or unconsciously have created in my life and then do whatever it takes for me to clean that karma. Any disagreements with anyone, any type of lack of forgiveness is gone mm -hmm. in my life. I don't have any, you know, yeah. but in my classes, your I heart feel is clean. It's clean. I asked clean. the question in my classes. Uh, I just finished a class with 45 people a few days ago mm -hmm. and uh and i asked how many of you have issues of lack of forgiveness and everyone raises their hand mm -hmm. either forgiveness that you have to forgive yourself for someone or somebody else and to me it's like wow what if what if you die today and you still have all this karmic unresolved issues with your mother your father mm -hmm. your brother your sister your best friend whatever and that is so what society you, that's the newest one society so what, 
what happens is that is the condition of the mind is what is transferred from one life to the next. Right. So is the consciousness mm-hmm. that transfers from one life to the next. So if I die, well, all of this lack of forgiveness and anger and jealousy and all that, the, and the fears of life and the apocalypse mm-hmm. and all that, that is going to be an, a permanent imprint in my consciousness yep. that I am going to transfer to my next life. And then in my next life, I'm going to have to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's so true. A, that is so because true. Because I'm aware of that. This life is so important for me to clean up all of my karma and to be in the space of my heart, to be in the space of kindness, forgiveness, love, you know, tolerance, you know, love and kindness, you know, it's just, it's just a shift. If, if my mind goes into any type of aspect of, of negativity, I truly, I just, I, I take my mala and I start and doing meditative. my devotional practice to clean it up. And that's, right. And that's just simply what works for me. But I know that karma plays a, a big game in the way in which it, gra- it grabs us. And then also we have to understand the components of the ego and how the ego wants to be gratified. Mm-hmm. And there is no gratification if you're home alone doing your practice, you know, chanting your mantras, getting into the Akashic records to understand the components of life. There is no gratification that the ego receives from what others say or perceive about you. So is the ego the one that is looking for acceptance of something? I, you Mm. know, I believe in this conspiracy theory. Oh, Mm. I do too. You do too. Wow. Now two, now there's two of us are accepting. Now there's two paranoid people. Yeah. The same truth. So suddenly you go from one individual to a hundred individuals that believe on that same conspiracy theory. So now my ego is, is feeling powerful fun. and gratified yeah. because of that. Yeah. But what happens when moment you die? Mm-hmm. What happens? What happened to that ego gratification? It goes away. Mm-hmm. So to me, is is far more important to daily, daily looking at the karmic conditions that I might have created the previous 24 hours right. or, or, or the rest of my life in order to do whatever it takes to clean that up and then have greater brain capacity to connect with higher frequencies that gives me the ability to become more of who I am. Yes. Well, well, well state. Yeah. I, um, you know, when I growing up for myself, I've had lots of friends who are in many different types of faith systems and I've had some who, um, their whole church actually thought that a specific day was going to be doomsday. And so they all hid in their basements and for days. And, and I, as a, as a little girl would, go knocking on the door every single day because I would walk to school with my best friend. And and after like the fifth day of knocking at the windows and doors, like, what is going on? Is everybody okay? Um, my friend came up and opened the door and she was really surprised that the world did not end because her whole church had thought this was the, going to be the end of the world. And so I was like, oh no, everything's still going on, but you missed a whole week of school and a lot of things have happened. And are, are you ready to go play? Let's go play. And so, you know, we just resume life as normal, but it was a big, big life lesson 
for um, her family and for her church and bless their heart. I love them, but it was a big life lesson for them for um, spending all of their efforts on trying to predict a specific end to the world. And they thought that that they were going to somehow survive the end of the world, but everybody else wasn't going to. And so it's like when you, when, what I, what I noticed from that lesson, because it taught me a lesson as well as teaching them a lesson about living in that state of um, paranoia and fear is that for everybody else, I missed out on some wonderful people that I love hanging out with and that fear separated them from everybody else. So kind of separatism that you talked about earlier. But like, like you say, again, everybody has their journey. Everybody has their life lessons and they're attracting it to themselves. And it is for them to overcome and for them to learn and grow from. So whether they are ready to move on beyond certain experiences, they're going to do it in their own time. So for you and I, who are fifth dimensional and above awareness, it doesn't matter what's going on out there because from within our consciousness, we are tuning into the higher energies and we are going to attract naturally to ourself a fifth dimensional or higher reality. Um, and out there is going to change. So um, that's yeah. something that everyone is going to go through on their own. Um, yeah in their own time. Now, let me ask you this. Now, in I Buddhism... Let me just say something very, uh -huh. that I think is very, very important. Uh, what you described is a, is a collective belief. Okay? The belief that the world was going to come to an end and everybody went in, in hiding. Okay? So, what is, one of the most important things that we need to explore, and is in fact, when I teach the Akashic Records in the first level of the Akashic Records, one of the most important things that we would, that we do is to begin to explore our belief systems mm. because our belief yeah. systems create a condition of the mind and yes. between the condition of the mind and the belief system, we create a reality period. That's it. That could end this conversation, you know, yeah. just as simple as that. However, most of us live our lives with old antiquated belief systems. Old conditioning. Will come from two, three generations ago. Well, the belief creates the conditioning, but you know the belief has to be first in order, mm. for, you know, for the condition to be met, to be created. So when we start looking at belief systems and how they impact our lives, we live our lives because of this belief. So the individuals that were that you described during your childhood, that the girl that didn't go to school for a week because of the fear of the church and all of that. Well, that was their belief system. But what happened with the, when the world did not come to an end? Most likely they were challenged to review that belief. And it now, did, it forced them to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so whether or not that they're gonna overcome that's, that wrong belief or not, that's up to them. Now, what is, that, what, is that, what is a wrong belief? The wrong belief is the misconception that is provided about something that is not the truth, that is incorrect information, mm. information that is incorrect. So one, you know, at one point uh, in the 1800s, 1700s, we believe that the earth was flat. Some people right? still do. You know, well, that has been proven scientifically to be completely wrong a long time ago. So that cultural belief that the earth is flat change when that wrong belief 
was challenged and it was proven to be wrong. So it's the same with every belief that each of us has based on our culture and our family dynamics. And we Mm -hmm. have to ask ourselves the question. I start asking myself that question when I was 15 years old. When I was looking at the condition of of my life, you know, the money, the greed and all that, the belief around my family. And I said, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. So I challenged those beliefs. And when we challenge the beliefs that we have, and then we find that they are incorrect. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we have a tool, in this case, the Akashic Records, shamanism, whatever, that can give someone the ability to connect to a much higher truth that supports life in a much greater way, with greater amount of harmony, with, la- with, with less struggle, and with much, with much more love and kindness for one another. Right. Well said. Well said. Yeah, I, I like for myself, um, and I, I continue to reinforce this to other people I speak to and to my clients. Um, when I ask questions about, well, why do you feel that way about X, Y, Z? Um, oftentimes it goes to their upbringing. And then oh, I ask them, well, what in your upbringing brings you to that thought? Uh, it goes back down to their parents who instill unconsciously certain upbringings that they brought forward in the previous generations from their upbringing. So people are just basically cycling through um, unconscious um, belief patterns that they really don't believe in when they actually stop and pull it out and examine it. And so when they see and they hear it, uh, then they go, oh, that doesn't make any sense. And then they stop. But oftentimes people go into what I find go into autopilot with unconscious conditioning that they have um, picked up from their family, from their culture, from their race, from, you know, um, their religions or whatever. And then when they actually pull it out, um, they're like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, self-reflection is very important. Yeah, yeah. What what all of this does is create attachments. Yes. Attachments that 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 provide us with a sense of belonging. We all want mm. to belong, you know. And if I challenge this belief system of my family, I mean, you come from an Asian uh, culture, you know. Uh, I come from a Latin culture. My God, we're just so overwhelmed with wrong beliefs. You know, but we all want to to belong to that family. If we challenge those be, those beliefs, then our family is gonna not be very happy with us, and that is gonna create guilt. So we are we trap ourselves mm-hmm. in these dynamics, in these family dynamics, because we don't have mo- many people don't have the the guts, you need you know the courage, yeah, courage to mm-hmm. to to face that and to say no. This is wrong. Yeah. And you're wrong. And even though you're my mother, my father, whatever, you're wrong. And this has been proven wrong by this or that way. Right. I think it's a, I think it may come down to a survival thing of being wanting to be accepted by the tribe and not ostracized. Um, You know, because um, if you're ostracized by the tribe, then it becomes hard to survive or have the resources to survive. So I think it's all kind of built in but we also are a very conscious um human species so we can think outside the box and go above and beyond the basics um and courage internal courage and integrity is what makes us different from many other animals who are still 
functioning in survival. So kind of rise above the animal instincts sometimes. Um, now, Ernesto, in Buddhism, to connect to the main creator in all people, one must recognize the interconnectivity to all beings in creation within the consciousness of source. How can people heal their separatist beliefs about themselves and others, which includes the concept of the good guys and the bad guys? Which is what I was saying earlier about you know duality, you mm. know, and, and the lack of of understanding of the oneness of things, you know. I think to me, uh, it gets to a point in which we have to challenge our ego, you know, to really stop, stop. And then train our ego differently. Don't let it take over. To befriend it and to understand the reason why it operates in the way that it does. Mm -hmm. And how the ego surfaces the negative ego, how it surfaces and manifests in different areas of our life and how that becomes the predominant attitude based on ego responses. So this is an inner exploration. You know, mm -hmm. every human being, based on what you were saying a moment ago, is looking for three things. Everyone, love, happiness, and acceptance. Mm -hmm. Everyone, you know. So we, we're looking for that, but many times we have the conditioning and the dynamics within our, our, our culture, our family, that don't allow us to see beyond that. You know, right. my, I am Catholic, so you cannot be Buddhist. You are, you are Catholic is better than the Christian and the, and the this and that. So it's always this constant struggle of separation. And if we understand that this is a, a mental component mm -hmm. created by the ego, now, right. when was the ego born? Do you know? Mm, um, upon upon being born into life, you slowly. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> 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 I I I I think the ego is born when because you don't have an ego when you're born. You you're just learning to adapt and you're learning about things. And it starts coming to form when you start putting your place against society, against your family, you know, these different elements start forming um, what your identity is. The, the, imagine a little baby, okay? And that little baby is six months old, a year old, uh, a year and a half old, and everybody's going, oh my God, what a cute little baby. And that little baby is just adorable. And but then something happens right mm -hmm. around 18 months of age, between 18 months and 24 months of age, two years, you know, something happens. And that cute little baby just turns into this incredible monster. Terrible tooth. <laughs> terrible tooth. So the ego is born when we are between 18 months and two years of age. Mm -hmm. And this surfaces or manifests in the way in which we begin to create duality. Mm -hmm. So just imagine that here I am, a two-year-old baby, and I, at the birthday party, I have 16 toys around me, and I'm playing with this one because it's super cute. And, and then I put it down, another little boy goes and takes that, that, that toy. What am I going to do? 
I'm going to go, no, that is mine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And mom is going to go, come on, you have another 16 toys. But mom is going to, but I'm going to say, no, this is mine. So the ego at that early age begins to create that duality, that separation between the mine and the yours, between mine is better than yours, et cetera, et cetera. So by go, we have to go back. And that's why the Akashic workers are so precious, so delicious, because it gives us the ability to bend time and to go back from the moment that we are in today with the consciousness that we have today, back in time into the moment in which the original imprint, in this case of the ego, was created mm-hmm. and then remove the energetic imprint at that time so we can then remove the sense of duality from the self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then, so what now, well, that begs the question, um, if you do ego death or ego removal, no, not death of anything. Okay. Removal. Is that the more appropriate word? Ego removal no, or ego to training? Training? To, I call it to, training. To befriend and to balance. Okay. So you make peace with your ego. Okay. So, um, and then you can continue forward living your life with a more balanced ego with yourself. Well, the truth is that the, every one of us has two two egos or one ego divided into two like the yin and the yang Mm -hmm. like the good guy and the bad guy so one is the good ego and the other one is the bad ego so they or the higher self and the ego that's another way of saying it no no two ego okay good ego and bad ego simple to understand so the good ego so you just say you say okay i want to go and take this class okay it's going to cost two thousand dollars to go do it but yes, I can do it. So the good ego is going, yes, yes, you can. You can do this. This is going to be great for you. Spirituality, mm-hmm. personal development, rah, rah, rah. The good ego is the good cheerleader. Yeah. You get to that event and then the bad ego starts finding fault in everything. <laughs> the yeah, accommodations the- are mm-hmm. not right. The water is not hot. The meals are not fully vegan. Uh the accent to the presenter, blah, 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 blah. Right. So there's the, the conflict between the good ego that says, go and do it. And the bad ego that is now saying, no, you're wrong. This is bad. Go away. So this is a constant battle between the two. Now, once we become aware of this and how it operates in our lives, then we have the choice or the option to start feeding the ego that serves us best. So by feeding the ego that is the positive ego and you feed it and you feed it and you feed it, that that positive ego is going to start getting bigger and stronger while Mm -hmm. the other ego, the negative ego, starts getting smaller and smaller. And it's going to get to a point in which that ego is so small that it's going to be relatively insignificant while you continue nurturing the good ego, the positive ego Mm -hmm. with whatever you want kindness yeah. love compassion beauty tolerance you know joy so so fun. even with so even within the concept of the ego there's do there's a there's the opposites the Absolutely. good and the bad that's what oh, creates all the problems yeah. in life yeah so Every problem in life we it comes from this duality of ego separation right right so there's there is a a, a rampant viewpoint that many people 
have about um the the bad guys the evil guys the you know whatever and so um i don't know you mean individual external individuals Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay yeah so how does the ego play in um the concept of putting blame and um almost kind of like a mob mentality to go seek out the evil guys and the bad guys and all that i'm not writing off that bad things happen quote quote bad things happen and there are people who are not in the interest of other people but um there but some people consume themselves with that hate of society that oh it's so horrible there's so many bad things etc etc well how does ego play into that perception I see it all as karmic conditions. Mm. If I give you a pair of glasses that allow you to see beyond what you are able to see or perceive right now, maybe when you see that someone that is very negative, very nasty, aggressive, et cetera, what you're seeing is what that individual is presenting to you at this very moment. But if you are not capable of seeing beyond that, then you're going to become a reactor and the reactor comes from the body of knowledge Mm -hmm. that is connected or programmed to previous information and not from the body of wisdom. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that individual, if is going to be a reactor of that energy, then it's going to get into what you mentioned, hatred, et cetera. But if you understand that or, or imagine that you can understand the pain and suffering that is in the, inside of this individual's body to be mm-hmm. as negative as he or she is. Right. That, you know, what happened in his childhood, you know, the trauma, et cetera, or maybe these are pre-created uh, conditions. These are seeds of karma yep. that have been planted in a previous life that are surfacing in this life, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone, we have to respect, that's a big word, we have to respect the fact that everyone is moving in its own spiritual evolution mm-hmm. at the level and at the level and the speed that they can. Right. Now, another thing is this: most of us are not young new souls. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know, I know that I have had thousands of lifetimes. So in those hundreds or thousands of lifetimes, I have been everything. Mm-hmm. I have probably killed you in a previous life. I have also been your mother, your father as well as yep. others, you know, we have been, we have been everything for everyone. Mm-hmm. There have been a lot of roles. So yeah. if you, if you are where you are in your life, I am in my life in the way that I am. And the listeners of this information, they are where they are is because we have gone through our karmic process in order to mm-hmm. arrive at the lifetime of opportunity that we have now, which is to be conscious yeah. And consciousness is what makes the difference of everything. If you are not conscious, then you're going to react in a negative way to the bad things that someone is doing. Yes, it's doing harm to others, but that is the collective karma. In fact, what, what my belief is that what we are going on, what we're going through in the world right now with this pandemic mm-hmm. is simply karma. Mm-hmm. karma that we have created that have put us exactly where we are today and unless we rectify this karma this is going to happen again and again yeah 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 well well stated and you know i mean it's it's so when you come when when people whether they come into do buddhism or mexican shamanism or any other mystic way in which they come into their 
awareness of reality and they come into their connection to consciousness um, and start creating their reality and creating the way that they see things um, from within that higher level of consciousness, uh, you know, you, you kind of let go of that, um, that judgment, because like you said, if you, you could do it through hypnosis, you could do it through reading Akasha records, you could do it through a lot of different ways in which you can see that you have been a lot of things prior to this incarnation. And just looking at this incarnation is a very small window of the fullness of who and what you are within your um, existence. And so it's, it's highly recommended as part of any meditation or any kind of um, spiritual practice to get an insight into your soul's fullness in like um, all its incarnations. Like, and I've had clients who um, have come to me because they've come in, into their awakening and they've coming into their leveling up their consciousness where they're trying to make right wrongs. So I've had um, like drug dealer clients come to me going, okay, I got, I, I, I read some of your books. I got into this stuff. I'm having these experiences. I want to learn to create better my life. Um, and so when I typically go through um, and work with them, it is found that they have been conditioned from That's their upbringing. Condition. Yeah, unconscious conditioning or belief systems about certain things about society and about themselves, about other people, et cetera. And so they kind of walked into this um, uh, this role unconsciously and fulfilling this role and they finally got to a point in their life somehow that they have come into their consciousness and are going oh I don't I no longer want to be unconscious like bystander of um, this role that I walked into and so then they do a lot of self-reflection a lot of work and trying to kind of let go of the way that they see themselves others and society so that they can like you said earlier go to bed um you know free of any kind of um issues in your consciousness in your heart about not forgiving or about letting go of certain attachments to um how they see society and i see this quite often um i see uh, people who society say are horrible horrible people and they're trying to um make right a wrong so they no longer have to continue to incarnate trying to fix what they did before and then on top of that add more garbage to their current incarnation and so it's really important for everybody to go into when you get into this work you're going to do a lot of self-reflection about yourself not just in this lifetime but all the other lifetimes so you're going to have a much higher understanding of um, yourself and of consciousness um i have another question so in buddhism energy healing comes from source okay like only the ego is going to take responsibility or accountability like, i did it i did it i healed you i did this it, we don't really see it that way we see it as it comes from from consciousness comes from source the main creator and there are many ways to connect to fifth dimensional energy of christ consciousness of that higher higher being or the crystalline consciousness through the heart and i i i call it fifth dimensional energy because in order to heal you heal um with that higher perspective that you're all connected so otherwise you know it, because it's, everybody's interconnected so what can people look forward to in learning the cranial sacred 
therapy and your Kermapa Reiki courses, because you offer a couple of different energy healing courses as well. So um, can you talk about, about some of those courses, if people want to take those? Um, <clears throat> cranial sacral therapy is, is, is just, a, just a, a therapy that is used to balance out the movements of the cranial bones and the sacrum. Mm. Uh, via the dural tube, which is what houses the cerebrospinal fluid. So this is more of a technical thing that mm. if it's done right, it can lead the client patient into an, an emotional release. And once we are an, engaged in an emotional release, we drop our guard down and then we can explore whatever issue we are exploring. Uh, mm. I did teach... This you modality. don't do it anymore, do you? Or do you still? I don't. Do I don't. Okay. In fact, I am not teaching Reiki uh, anymore. I have. I stopped doing that for quite a while. Uh, uh, my my work uh, expanded beyond Reiki. So you, uh, it just goes to Akashic. <clears throat> what what the the focus of my teachings in this past um, twelve years has been the four levels of the Akashic records, mm. uh, 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 shamanism in different forms, uh, tantric shamanism, or just uh, plain uh, shamanism, and uh, trans dance, which is something that I love to do because I love to dance. Yeah, that's and my next question, yeah. So these are, uh, these are also, to me, far more profound ways, not discounting that the, the Reiki is not, it cannot be profound, but then again, it's superficial, you know, mm. superficial because it doesn't allow the practitioner or the, or the client or patient to really dive deep into the, into the intricacies of the consciousness. Yeah. The reason why is true healing all, can only happen spontaneously when we enter an altered state of consciousness yep. and once we are inside of an altered state a state of consciousness is when the magic appears right. and so that is my goal is to be able to push people or push myself far deeper than the conscious mind into an alter into a deep altered state of consciousness mm. which is what i explore or perceive when i was eight nine years old you know mm. with those shamans it's the same thing mm -hmm. so this has been an evolution of that for me and for me the greatest goal that i have is to provide the tools and the means for someone to do it themselves i am not going to lay my hands on you like in reiki you right. know, you do it yourself. You created the karma, you deal with it. I'm going to give you, I'm going to hold the space for you. I'm going to give you the tools for you to do it, but you do it. It's not my karma. My yeah. karma is to teach you how, but it's your karma to clean it up, not mine. So these other uh, modalities uh, have been uh, far they have a far deeper reaching into the into the intricacies of the consciousness that need to be explored to to achieve something significant in terms of personal and planet family and planetary healing.
Right, right. You know, what I found is like, um, is these, these different types of energy healing modalities like Reiki and, you know, different types of um, emotional therapy in mysticism, I found is that it, it, it depends on the person and kind of where the level of consciousness, different layers. So some people need kind of a surface layer help. And that kind of is almost acts like a permission slip to go deeper into the next layer. For some people, they're like, okay, let's just go from straight into consciousness, go straight into the root cause of why I create this in my life and why I'm experiencing it. So right into the Kashics, right into the consciousness field, right into the heart field. So it really depends on on the person's level of consciousness and how far they want to, because some people going right into it is too much of um, the t- they're taking too big of a bite that they're not prepared for and so they need a little bit kind of like a little touch but what I found also with these other modalities like Reiki is sometimes people keep coming back you know they get healed and then they keep coming back to get healed again so it's like okay at some point you need to do some of your consciousness work within yourself to remove it completely and not re- recre- recreate it well that's codependency and addiction Mm-hmm. You know? So then again, you know, why do you have to come back to 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 get healed if if, if that really happened? Maybe yeah. They, maybe they did not get healed. Maybe they felt better, and that's a big difference between feeling better and getting healed. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. you don't get healed if you don't go to the root cause of whatever right. that you're trying to heal. Yep. So if you're coming back for another session, another session, another session. You know, how does that reflect in your life? You know, do you have codependent um, relationships? Do you have addictions in your life? So all mm-hmm. of this branches out into many more aspects of the condition of the mind than just that one episode of healing on the table with a Reiki practitioner. Right, right. Yeah, it, it, it comes it down to responsibility. Con- you know, it really comes down to personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I have been doing this work almost my entire life you know and am i there absolutely not absolutely not it's the same as when someone asks me are you a shaman i say no and they say, well how come we have heard of this i said well i practice shamanism but i am not going to put a label on me that right. identifies me as something because that is again an ego gratification right right label yeah lab- yeah labels so you know if someone wants to heal it's not going to take one or two or three or five uh, Reiki sessions. Maybe right. those open the door, you know, for that individual to go and begin to explore other modalities, other aspects, and then to pay the dues, meaning to take the time to investigate every single day without, without, with discipline, right. you know, without it, it's not going to happen. You know, I ask people, do you meditate? In my classes, I can have 60 or 75 people in a group. Do you, how many of you are meditators? You know, and at least 80% bring their hand up. I say, well, fantastic. That's great. How many of you meditate two hours a day? And the hands go, go down. And maybe one, two. Then I say, how many of you meditate an hour a day? The same thing. Not a hand goes up or maybe a few hands four or five at a group of 70. And so 
how, how many of you meditate 30 minutes a day religiously, you know, and only a few hands go up. So what does that tell you? That what does that tell me? That you cannot go as deep as you want to be if you only dig a hole that needs to be a hundred miles deep and you only dig, dig uh, two inches a day. Right. Right. It's not going to happen. So, you know, if you want to heal, if you want to understand the condition of your mind, if you want to explore, you know, belief systems, if you want to, 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 to be conscious, mm -hmm. you have to take the time to pay your dues and sit every day with your practice, every single day, no matter what. But unfortunately, we have the distraction of social media. Life mm -hmm. gets in the way. Mm -hmm. And people want to explore you know, 30 minutes on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is, looking for likes or seeing what other people are doing instead of sitting and meditating and going deep within themselves. So, yeah. you know, no, this, this healing thing is, uh, it, it really needs to have a great deal, a great amount of, of desire, the positive yeah. desire to accomplish something, which is, to know yourself. That is that question, right? That old fashioned question, who are you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's gonna be a journey that everybody takes to find out one, who are they? Uh, and also two, that they are consciousness. They're an expression of consciousness in physical form and they and everybody else. So, um, you know, the. The thing about the trance dancing that you mentioned earlier, that was that sounded fascinating. What can people who want to take the trance dancing workshop look forward to? And how does trance dancing help you connect to that heart field of source? A life-changing experience is in trance dance, we blindfold ourselves mm. to eliminate all external distractions. There are no steps to follow. There is no movements to follow. You can dance like a wild, crazy person. You can be <laughs> an animal on the floor. You can jump up and down. You can fly like an eagle. But the key word is trance. So there is a specific breathing method that I teach that allows the individual to go deep and enter in that, into an altered state of consciousness. Mm. And then the dance is done from that altered state of consciousness. So this is a very deep meditation in motion that allows you to peel off or eliminate the outer layers that are preventing you from entering into a trance. It's a seven day retreat. Okay. So it's that not just like fun. We're dancing, uh, you know, at least four hours a day. And we also have other mindful exercises, meditations and rituals and things like that to reinforce the training. But a spontaneous healing is something that can happen also in trans dance. And I've seen it dozens of times in my, uh, whatever, 30 years of doing trans dance, you know, right. in which when the mind goes away and we are in the presence of consciousness, then the magic happens right there. The healing occurs at a physical level as well as a mental and emotional level. So yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, and I also love it because it's fun. Yeah, it's a good workout too. Yeah, and no one has ever told me that spirituality has to be serious, you know? 
So to me is, you know, I love my life and I have fun in my life and I love doing what I do and I love to dance and I love to make jokes and I love to be mischievous and I, yeah. and I just love to, to enjoy life. And, and part of all of my trainings, but especially the trans dance is a training that has all of the ingredients to be a lot of fun mm -hmm. and also give you the ability to dive very, very deep within yourself to enter spaces within the consciousness that perhaps you have never explored before. Right. Yeah, oh, I love that. I love the trans dancing because, um, you know, I studied a little dance in college, but um, the dancing, oftentimes people are dancing because it, they're looking at other people. So they're dancing for other people or being influenced by other people looking at them. But the concept of completely blindfolding yourself and there's no one looking at you and, and you could be by yourself, then it becomes more natural flow of whatever that field of energy that you're radiating at, it starts coming out. So well, I just love that. But it's also a challenge because you're not in control anymore. Mm -hmm. When you cannot see, you're not in control and most people are control freaks. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. So if you are not in control of your environment because you cannot see, that is gonna bring up issues of trust, you know? And everybody has, not everybody, but a lot of people have issues of trust and abandonment, you know? Oh so, gosh, yes, so trust these, and abandonment is like the number of top issues, bing, bing, bing for people. So all of these just surface yeah. during the trans dance because you are not familiar. So not until you surrender to trust mm -hmm. and you know that you're safe because me and my co-facilitators are creating this safety, which is number one, number one in trans dance is mm -hmm. safety because I don't want anyone to get hurt, you know? Yeah. So once that space of safety is created and people understand it, once you dance one or two days blindfolded and you begin to move like this a little bit, not trusting, and then you know that everything I is okay. Crazy. And, <laughs> like that, and then you start dancing like, like a wild person. Yeah. Then, then is the surrender, then there is the magic, then there is the healing, then there is the outer state of consciousness that is going to guide you to whatever it is that you need to heal at this time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's such a fun way to do energy healing and to connect to consciousness. I just love that. Okay, so you, I don't know sure if you still do this, but how do you use sacred geometry for energy healing? Well, sacred geometry is... Uh, <clears throat> it's a big, 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 big concept. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so we have to narrow that concept to the way that I, in the way that I teach it and understand it. Mm -hmm. uh, the first time that one of my uh, spirit guides told me that I had to uh, teach sacred geometry, I started laughing. And I said, <laughs> Are you kidding me? I don't keep track of, I've never balanced my checkbook, you know, uh, arithmetic or mathematics one yeah. on one failed and I'm not good with numbers and geometry, forget it. And he said, no, it is not that. It will be revealed to you. So sacred geometry is in the way that it teaches is the understanding of shapes and colors mm -hmm. that combine, that come together to create a specific download from the intention that you have directly with the universe. And that creates a harmony in the world based on the colors and the shapes, the way they're put together in, in charts, so to right. speak. And then 
you can use the energy that comes from that, you know, and your practice in your life in the in the uh, manifestation of anything that you want in your life. So if you want to manifest uh, a relationship, you want to manifest mm-hmm. more money in your life, if you want to manifest deeper healing, if you want to manifest anything of what we have been talking about, all of that can be reduced to the understanding of shapes, geometrical shapes right. and colors and how the combination of both create a specific Mm, vibration a very unique and specific vibration that creates a very distinct uh connection between your intention and the universe with those shapes and forms that give you the ability to manifest right well well stated yeah i've i've written books on sacred geometry and 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 in buddhism we call it buddhist buddhist mandalas is your mandala but um it you know when you tune in when you the study of sacred geometry will help, like I always say, it will help rewire your consciousness to a fifth dimensional and above basis. And it's basically you're tuning in your Merkaba, you're tuning in your energy field and all those beautiful colors and your chakras inside it as well. So um, it's your energetic vessel to higher realities and to higher um, experiences. So I love the um, the that you teach that as well as part of energy healing because. We are all energy. So if we heal those those uh, imbalances within our energy field, um, then we heal ourselves. And there's lots of fun ways to do it too. I love the fun aspect of it because spirituality is not supposed to be serious. It's supposed to be fun. And this whole That's thing right. is spiritual. It's supposed to be fun. That's why we came down here for us to have some fun with it. Now, that, oh, but that, that we have to acknowledge that when we explore with the spirituality, we're going to come across and encounter painful memories, patterns, et cetera, et cetera. That is not very fun. But you got to work, but that it came well, up so you can re- resolve it. Absolutely. But that is not fun. And that's when people run away. Many that's people true. run away. <laughs> yeah. okay? but what they don't understand is that by being face-to-face with that particular energy that surface based on your on your exploration, as ugly as it may be, once you heal it and it's completely neutralized, mm-hmm. you get a charge out of it. The freedom to have fun. What is behind it? You know. Right, right. Yeah, don't be. I mean, if if I I call that some people call it the dark night of the soul, but if your <laughs> yeah, if your issues that are lowering down your frequency, lowering down your ability to tune into higher levels of consciousness is coming up, then it's for you to resolve learn that life lesson and then grow from it so that you don't repeat it and so that you can create bigger and better and higher experiences for yourself because you have learned some of the basics that will no longer it's like resolving your karma resolving unbalanced energy so you can you can tune in higher so um the dark night of the soul is far far deeper than that yeah far deeper than that and, I, and, and if people have not experienced the dark night of the soul, then the concept of it is not there. But the dark night of the soul is when you have no ability whatsoever to do any of what you just mentioned. Any of that. There the dark the- night of the soul is when you are inside of a hole, you know, and there's no way out. No way out. Then is when the merit that you have accumulated based on your spiritual practice 
can start giving you a glimpse of light at the end of the tunnel, right. you know, right. but it's, it's, it's very different. Yeah. I, I tell people if they, if they think they're in a dark night of the soul experience, like the deepest depths of the dark night of the soul, just remember to the thought that um, there is, just remember something that's positive and that will be your inkling to get you out of that just because as long as you remember one thing that's positive that um like maybe the sun rays the sunrise that is your spark that will take you out of that tunnel just follow that so when you're really really in the depths of it it's hard to see something positive but you can remember one thing a smile of a child or somebody that hug you that will help you out if you are so overwhelmed by the conditions that put you in the nine, the dark night of the soul, you will not be able to see that. Not even you will not be able to imagine that smile or that ray of the sun, because you're so much into in, into that deep, deep, deep energy. Mm. So the acceptance that that's exactly what you are, and to rest in the space of acceptance of that is what you are. And to meditate, to go deep within, to begin to understand the reasons why you created the conditions in your life that put you in that position will eventually, within a few hours, a few days, hopefully not a few months, mm. you know, give you that glimpse of light that you are talking about and the ability to right. clear the mind sufficiently to be able to see that smile, to mm. see, to feel that, that spark of love. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I experienced this, you know, very directly in, in my life, you know, uh, especially after Hurricane Andrew here in, uh, in Miami, back, uh, I don't know, 25 years ago, whatever. Oh yeah. I remember that, that was one. absolutely everything, everything, everything. You know, I was living in my car for two weeks, oh. you know, not a lot of people have had an experience like that. And then the loss of everything, you know, I mean, that really put me money, owing money. I mean, um, my ex-wife after me for money. Oh, I mean, all kinds of stuff, you know, that just put me into this deep, deep space. You hit your of, bottom. Of depression. Mm-hmm. However, the recognition of that once I was on the other side is what was fun. Mm-hmm. At that time, it was not fun. But coming out was fun because I came out of that self-realization with greater knowledge of myself Mm -hmm. than I had before. And that was and has been one of the most beautiful, delicious lessons in my life to know who I am. Right, right. That was your journey. Let me ask you something about that really quick, because as you come out of your your darker journey into the the lighter aspect of your creation process within your consciousness, many people, and and I I have this as well, many people will, will have a, kind of a more clear connection to the spirit guides, ancestors, you know, you know, beings in, in higher dimensions and, and in different, different realms. Um, what can you say for people who are first coming into these experiences and trying to kind of toggle between their responsibilities in their life and also having kind of a channel to these other beings? I don't understand what you mean coming into these experiences. Coming into hearing and speaking to their spirit guides. Because you said earlier you talked to your spirit guides. 
Yeah. For some people that's new. What can you say um, for people who's new into the experience of hearing or um, through synchronicity, communicating with their spirit guides? What I would say is challenge them. Oh, that's a good one. People don't ever challenge them. Challenge them. <laughs> I love that. People, you know, when they show up or you won't see them, hear them, perceive them, whatever, don't just believe that they are who they say they are. Discernment. Yes. Because, because they can be entities from the astral plane pretending uh -huh. to be a spirit guide uh-huh you know? uh -huh. so if you don't challenge them you know to say who are you where do you come from what are you doing here it's a, you challenge them and then there are specific things that that people can do such as <clears throat> look at me straight in the eyes mm -hmm. you know if that entity that spirit whatever doesn't want to look at, at you straight in the eyes is not from the light uh-huh it is a foul smell is not as is not from the light you know i mean just you have to challenge and you know convince me that you are who you say you are why uh -huh. should i believe you just you know no 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 and that's a huge mistake that people make that they their spirit shows up and they go i'm your spirit guide i am uh mother mary i am saint germain i am whomever and you and people go oh, oh great when reality, take over, please take over. <laughs> reality could be an entity that is trapped in the astral plane, pretending to be something that they are not. Right. So that's what I would say to people. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Challenge them. Um, have discernment, people, especially when you come into spiritual um, experiences and you're opening your, your consciousness up to other beings have discernment too because this is not your hey take over my life here you go <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to live my life anymore take over tell me what to do and the same Everything. thing you know and that discernment that challenging should also be applied to spiritual to teachers as spiritual teachers mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. because the world is a big spiritual supermarket mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and there's millions of people that are the consumers oh yeah okay but the cons but they have to so there is a consumer and there has to be a provider and the provider the teachers may not be qualified at all to teach you know and they can say anything that they want on paper on facebook right. on whatever you can make paint the biggest the best picture of you whatever you know mm -hmm. but who are you how has your life changed as a result of of using the Akashic records, right? You know, are you more kind, more loving? You have more money in the bank. Are you more at peace within yourself? You know, your personal relationships. Who taught you this system? How you? How long have you been practicing? Challenge your teacher. Yeah. Ask questions. Yeah, and, and they know, have, and 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 you know, and if that teacher reacts like, oh, you know, I'm just like whatever, you know, then know that then that ego reaction maybe is not the right teacher for you. But if mm -hmm. the teacher is humble, if the teacher says to you, yes, I've been doing this for 10 years, five years, 20 years, and this is what has happened in my life and blah, 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 blah. Okay, it's the same thing. So you have the right to challenge the spirits that show up as much as you have the right to challenge the teachers, because if not, you're gonna be engaged in connecting to negative karma. Right. Oh, well said. I love that. I well said, because there are so many people who are, they, whether it's in person, 
with their teacher or whether it's in spirit where they connect to their guides or whomever on the other side they're just gonna so many people get taken for a ride and um and money yeah yeah and even on the spirit side when you connect to your spirit guides and whoever you connect to on the higher dimensions um in different planes of reality they will have the best interest in, in you and they'll be respectful of your choices they're not going to take you for a ride because they're not going to get any money like the, like a physical teacher may or um you know get anything physically but what they'll get is your focus your energy and your time energy vampires energy vampires they're energy vampires they'll suck you dry of your livelihood that's all you'll be doing their bidding all day every day and not really have your life and your life will kind of be theirs so it's the same kind of thing i call it a spiritual bully so um yes very good reminder for people in the space have discernment and challenge them um okay so we've already talked about you know, help different techniques to help people quiet the chatter of the ego and to connect to the spiritual emptiness of source. Um, now, your website has free library of meditation re recordings that you have up there. And are they a collaborative effort from you and your other instructors? Um, all the meditation recordings that people can listen to. Well, these are my own recordings during uh, sometimes during you know during classes you know and everyone can go to the website and download the meditations or music or whatever mm -hmm. oh yeah there i listened to some of them they were very very um very calming and peaceful so i just kind of i listened to a lot of different people's meditations to kind of go oh and everybody's meditations have a little a, a slightly different energy signature so um and because everybody has a different frequency they have a different mandala so i yours is very calming i, I it's almost like i can kind of hear birds kind of chirping <laughs> well some of those were recorded probably in the places like costa rica or <laughs> or bali where there were monkeys or birds chirping yes okay well they were okay i'm like then you're like oh i feel like i'm in the tropics <laughs> in meditation um okay so last question ernesto um what are your suggestions for building a fifth dimensional society in times of turbulence to have the courage to look deep within the self and to see what is your personal contribution to the way in which we are experiencing the world today. And then take whatever necessary steps you need to take in order to bring this to balance in your life and your relationship with the world itself. Well stated. Well, Ernesto, thank you for adding such fun ways to connect to the energy of the main creator in us and everybody else through our heart field. And so everyone, we present you even more unique ways to connect to the crystalline consciousness of source that you are and everyone else and to anchor in more of that multidimensional self. Um, so for more information about Ernesto Ortiz's offerings, please go ahead and visit his company website, which is journey to the number two theheart.com so that's journey and then the number two theheart.com and thank you kind or, or, or they can just have journey to the heart with a teal is there they'll get there 
Oh, we'll get there. Okay, awesome. Um, thank you again to the listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.